Here comes Melvin to the 25, to the 20, Gordon 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin, record-breaking run, Melvin Gordon, 4-0-8. And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best of all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say, it was Saturday night. Sideline the front court. Snaps off another three. Booked it. Oh, my goodness. Don't wake him up. Taylor's on fire. Welcome to the Bucky Cast, a Badgers podcast by the fans, for the fans, and with the fans, where we will always turn our backs on Minnesota, where we will always appreciate that six foot four, 330-pound pulling guard, and where a 42-40 defensive slugfest in the Cole Center is not ugly. It's a defensive masterpiece in our eyes. Wherever you came from and however you found us, we hope you enjoy your stay and on Wisconsin. Welcome to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with Ryan. We are Sands John this week, who is away on a family vacation doing his uh, National Lampoon situation out in Wyoming, yeah, Colorado. He left, he left us. He did. He did. He left us alone. That was a terrible idea on his part. <laughs> but is. the inmates are running the asylum here. Yeah, there's How's it going no tonight, telling. Ryan? Oh, I'm good, man. There's no telling um, which direction this show is going to go into with, with without John kind of reining us in, um, keeping us on point. The yeah, other thing Ryan is, and I um, could get very in the weeds on some of this stuff, given how we easily probably we will. We likely, yeah, we probably will <laughs> and, tonight. And that's okay. Meanwhile, John somewhere is going to listen to this, and it's going to sound like the nails on the finger, you know, the nails on chalkboard. Yeah, he's going to be sitting there. Oh my God, just move <laughs> on already. And he's probably not going to be wrong half the time. <laughs> Probably more than true. that, actually. Um, no, I'm doing good, though. Yeah, how are you? Nobody ever asks how you're doing. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I'm a sweaty mess from uh, having come back from the gym, and we wanted to knock this out so Ryan could get to watch his beloved sons tonight. I know. I am recording Game three, it. boy. I am terrified. First of all, really quick segue, because nobody listening to us cares a lick about the Phoenix Suns. Um, eh, but I, I like I'm watching re- them. They're fun to watch. They are fun to watch. I'm recording it on DVR, which I don't trust because I was telling these guys a story. Like, literally, I think it was like 10 years ago. I'm trying to remember. It was a Wisconsin-Purdue game that didn't didn't matter at all. And I was at the vet with my dog, and I set the DVR because I don't miss a minute of Badgers anything, really. And, like, the, the recording cut off or didn't start, so I missed, like, the first 10 minutes. And this is, like, a decade ago. And from that point on, I literally don't trust DVRs or recording devices because I missed 10 minutes of some random Wisconsin-Purdue game. So I'm borderline terrified that my DVR is going to mess up again. Um, but listen, I'm here for the people. I'm here for the show. That's the type of man I am. Well, good on you. We appreciate the ever effort. Um, interesting week here, people. We're going to dive into the uh, barrage of commits that the Wisconsin football team has had of late. We're going to do a little bit of interesting discussion regarding the uh, remainder of the Wisconsin six that are out there. Just some topics, just kind of reviewing those guys and their state uh, in the recruiting uh, wars going on out there. And uh, then jumping into Greg Gard and uh, the news that came out, was it Tuesday night? Yeah. So something happened, right? Like something happened there. Something (laughs) came out. Just a little, just a little something. Oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> what a what a week for John to leave, right? Yeah, like, no we've, kidding. We've been like scratching and clawing for news, and then John leaves, and it's a machine gun of commitments. Oh, yeah. And you know, um, great guards. Obviously, that thing dropped. So apparently, we have the same situation as when Evan goes on vacation. Evan and Flood, the, for those not yeah, listening, yeah, Evan Flood right. from Two Four Seven. 
who goes on vacation and like 15 different commits come through. Uh, apparently the same thing happens when John goes on vacation and then we have like the most massive basketball news bomb. And oh man, what since, since Bo, I mean, it's the Bo situation. I would say this is the biggest Wisconsin off court, uh, Wisconsin basketball off court stuff since probably, yeah, probably Bo, Bo Ryan and everything that kind of went around his departure and um, kind of circumstances with guard getting a job. It's probably the biggest since at least then, right? Yeah, I'd say so. I, mean, I can't think of anything else that's really, truly calm. We've been a, a fairly clean program from that standpoint. There hasn't been a lot of drama. I mean, the closest thing I guess you'd say was the potential, uh, the, the talk discussion about a, a couple of guys that almost that people thought may have transferred in the offseason. And that's, that's nothing the compared to thing. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, right, that's well, nothing major compared let's, to this. Let's shelve that because we're going to talk about that later. We're going to start off with a, a bunch of good news. Um, should we just jump into the, the commits we got? Yeah, let's let's dive into this. So what do you got for us, Ryan? What, yeah, who are so the guys that we uh, locked down this week? In incredibly rapid succession, the Badgers nailed down uh, five recruits, or five verbal commitments. Uh, we're just going to kind of go down the list, uh, talk about them a little bit. The first one is Akuri Lied, who's a 5'10 or 6'0 corner. I've seen him listed both. I think he's probably closer to 5'10. They um, showed a picture of him next to Berger, who I believe is legit, probably 6'1 at least. I would guess he's around 5'11, 5'10. Okay. Yes, I've seen him listed 5'10 to 6. Yeah. 170 pound cornerback from Wayne, New Jersey. He's a mid three star on the recruiting sites. Um, Competing offers Duke, Pittsburgh. Um, Michigan State, West Virginia, like so. This is a, a good, a good strong recruit. We talked about him some in the last show. Um, not a big physical specimen. He's not a burner. He's not real big, but probably a slot type guy. Someone who can play on the inside. He shows good quickness. Um, breaks on the ball well, and he's physical. Like he's he's a physical player that comes up and hits people. I mean, he he kind of fits the prototype of what we've seen a lot with with Badger corners. They they tend to be short on the long speed guys and who short are south and short on the vertical. Yeah. Vertical size. <laughs> Vertical sure. size. We we've grabbed a couple projects that have had bigger size here as of late, but and and even some guys that have some speed, but we haven't really gotten guys who are kind of ro- more well rounded. Light is one of those guys who like his floor is relatively defined. Like he's a he's a de- he's a guy you expect to push probably to get on the field. Where his ceiling is is the thing that may be a little lower than some of the guys we're targeting. Yep. And and the thing is with cornerbacks, it's, it's such a physical nature being stuck on an Island against the elite athletes, you know? So if you don't have a six foot one, six foot two guy, or you don't have that four, four speed to your point, the potent, your upside's always going to be just a little limited. You're going to have to be protected a little bit. That doesn't mean he's a bad player by any stretch. And he'll probably fit on the inside, you know, kind of like a, maybe a taller Madison Cohen we talked about um, on the last show. So um, McCurry light is the first corner bar, the first cornerback on the board. The first uh, defensive prospect to commit to the Badgers class as well, and, and I will say this: when it comes to corners and wide receivers in general, they're very tough to project because normally they're guys who aren't as physically developed. Like they have the quickness and speed, but they haven't hit the weight room quite as heavy as some of the other guys, and so you never know how a body's going to react to ten to fifteen pounds of muscle. Some of these guys shave a couple tenths off off their times simply because they physically develop so i mean he could get quicker he could end up being a guy who gets in that four or five range and has good enough speed to stay with just about anybody right and and let's i mean correct me if i'm wrong but cornerback i mean it's the toughest position for wisconsin to recruit because you don't get him in state 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's so they're hard to find. Um, and I, I think we can probably move on to the next committee unless you have yeah. anything else you want to add on, on a Curry. No, I mean, it, the one thing you can say about corner is it's a very technique heavy position that, that, that will determine how good you are in the long run is, you know, do you do the little things that can keep you on the field? Oh, and other than that, out, let's point out Hank Petit. It's uh Hank Petit's first mm-hmm. the actual, um, commitment. You yeah, know, new very much so. New and he really liked so. this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's time. telling that he, he continued to recruit him. After he left, he was Toledo, right? So yep, after he, he was left Tol- him Toledo, Toledo, he still continued to bring him along, which tells you just how strongly he felt about him. Um, so let's move on to the next recruit, uh, Barrett Nelson, six foot six, two hundred fifty five pound offensive tackle, Fall River, Wisconsin. Obviously, uh, his older brother Jack Nelson's already on the team and and looking fairly dominant so far. I we talked a lot about Barrett Nelson, who who got overshadowed a little bit by the depth of the in-state class at offensive line. I think he's a really good player. Like this is a really good recruit. And any other year, there wouldn't have been a hesitation to offer Barrett Nelson. So oh, I will be uh, there's I will not be shocked in the least if he ends up finding a way onto the field. Oh no, I, I, I would I would wager he does actually. Yeah, I mean the one thing you can say is the 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 skill at that position is is getting really deep. But I think because of that, we're going to see more rotating linemen than we've ever seen before at Wisconsin. Because you'll you'll have guys, especially against games like Ohio State, where you'll rotate a little bit so those guys don't get gassed having to deal with pass rushers and stuff all game. And I think that they're getting the depth there. And a guy like Nelson, who has a good big physical frame, where he's he's pretty athletic for a guy that size, but isn't necessarily as filled out as some of the other guys that they have coming in. The one thing you can say about the class of guys, and this is this is Nelson too. He's he's kind of long and lean. The guys that are coming that potentially, if Wisconsin hits on the three guys, they're specimen. Like they have that Joe Thomas, close to three hundred already, and looking physically built guys. Yes, they all look solid. Like they don't look sloppy at all. The weight that they're carrying is very good weight, and Nelson's a little bit leaner than them. And so he's he's just not quite to that level in terms of having put on the good weight yet. And I think that's the biggest difference that I see at this point. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who's going to come in red shirt. Uh, Nelson Nelson is a guy too. It's not inconceivable for, inconceivable for me that he comes in and he transitions to a defensive end. Uh, he moves pretty yeah, well. He's, got, six, he's definitely six. athletic enough. He could be a 6'6", Isaiah Loudermilk. You know, that and he's aggressive. Pound, 280 pound guy who can get in the passing lanes, plays like a first and second down. Those guys are super valuable at Wisconsin. Um, and I, I don't want to project him down that road right now, but like he's going to get in the system. He's going to take a redshirt year. He's going to probably sit on the bench for another year or two after that. And then as a redshirt junior, you know, a redshirt sophomore, like this guy's going to find the field. Um, and I, I would also point out a lot of times families are wired a certain way. Like it's not a coincidence that J.J. Watt, Derek Watt, you know, TJ Watt, they were all studs. Like, it's not a coincidence, right? It's not a coincidence oh, not that... Um, if you're a brute as the older brother, you probably beat up the little brother a little that's bit. That's what I'm saying. That turns like, him into a brute. Families are kind of wired <clears throat> a certain way. And the way mm-hmm. they talk about Jack Nelson, which is Barrett Nelson's older brother, you know, they talk about, it's not just the physical tools. I mean, they they rave. He's got um, a mean streak. Rudolph. Rudolph actually raved about him and said, he's just different. The way he, he attacks the day, the way he attacks practice, the way he attacks reps... Like mentally, he's just wired a little differently. Yeah, he wants to so, beat up the guy across from. I him. I would assume that Barrett Nelson probably has some of that Nelson Nelson bloodline in him. Um, uh, anything else to add, Barrett Nelson? Like so, 
Not really. I think a good get. I think a guy whose rating we continue to see it bump up. I mean, he's a he's a composite eighty four fifty five on two four seven. I think that rating is going to continue to go up. I think you and I discussed it. One of his ratings already did bump. Um, so it's in line with what you and I kind of thought he was going to be. And I think that that will continue when they get more, when they get senior film on him, I think he'll jump. Yep. I agree. Listen, they just don't make many six, six athletic dudes with a long frame. Like there's mm-hmm. just not a lot of those dudes walking around. It's, it's telling that he can project to the defensive line. Yep. And I think when you could. have that level of athleticism at that size, it means <clears> that you can, you are very athletic for a lineman. All right, let's move on to, um, one of our favorites, uh, Cade Iacomelli. Uh, Cade is a six foot, 195 pound athlete listed as an athlete out of Harrison City, Pennsylvania. Played in high school. Cade played receiver. He played some running back. He played special teams. He played safety. Uh, returned a kick for a touchdown. Um, one of the interesting things I saw with Cade is a lot of times you bring a kid in as an athlete, but he wants to be a receiver. Or he wants to be a safety. Like he has an obvious preference. You know, Cade did an interview with um, one of the local newspapers in Harrison City, and he mentioned, Straight up. And this is a quote from Cade. I don't care where I play. I just want to get on the field. You know, so I think that that mentality is a it's kind of a, a badge mentality anyway, like whatever it does, whatever it takes to help the team. But I think this is a guy who could go in a lot of different spots. So having that mentality coming in is important to begin with. I'll, I'll say this. He is, to me personally, a rich man's Preston Zachman. In that. We saw Zachman be an athlete on the field. And I look at what I've seen on the film from from Iacomelli, and I'm like, I really like Zachman. Just to be clear on this, I think he's a guy that sees the field. I think that Iacomelli at this point is a little more defined in his skill set. Like, he understands his abilities a little bit more than Zachman does at this point. Where Zachman was kind of moved around a little bit more in terms of, like, maybe doesn't quite locked in on what his athletic gifts are quite as much so just an understanding of what he's capable of um and when i look at that i look at that as i really like Yakamelli as a player in terms of there's three or four positions i look at him and i'm like one of them being i think he could be a heck of a third down back i he just has that receiving ability and he's shifty as a running back and he has speed um but my i'm really really high on him as a receiver I think that I'd love to see him in the slot. I, he reminds me so much of Erickson and the way he moves on the field and just cuts hard. And so he's it's you don't always see receivers decisive in their cuts. He's a guy who's very decisive in his cuts, and because of that, he creates easy separation. So you like him. <laughs> I do, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, yeah he absolutely. is the guy in our, our commit group right now that I am the most comfortable saying that this guy is not going to be a bust. So – the thing, the, the cool thing with Iacomelli is, um, and I encourage anyone, anyone listening to do this, uh, Google Cade Iacomelli box jump and put that into <laughs> YouTube. And you're, this dude is, this dude, here's one. So there's, there's players who test off the charts who are, are great athletes. Um, if anyone remembers many, many years ago, Wisconsin brought in a kid named, I think it was TJ Williams. He's a two-star receiver out of Wisconsin. And he was an, just a burner. Just an absolute burner, but he couldn't play. Like he, he just, he just couldn't. He play. was speed. He was, he was speed. But didn't he, have I mean, he was like skill. legit crazy speed, but he just couldn't play. Yakamelli, like again, go Google his box jump, and you're gonna see just um, a ridiculous athlete. This is like a Des Southward type of an athlete. You know that type of just elite, elite athlete. 
But then you watch his film, and I think this is the point you were making. The film backs up the athleticism. And there's it's hard to find that combination, right? It's hard to find that combination of a guy who is is testing off the charts, like who would go to a combine in three or four years and probably put up freakish numbers. But also a guy, when you watch the film, you're like, oh my goodness, this, this dude's a football player. He like, understands hit, his abilities and and uses his advantages. This dude hits creases and puts a foot in the dirt and takes contact. He's built well. He understands angles. Like he'll he'll return a kick. Like he's versatile. And I I love this pickup. I think um this is easily and it's not a big class yet, but I think this is easily my most underrated recruit that we that we've verbaled so far. Um he is a so, guy that composite wise my my perspective on him and this it's probably never going to back it up in terms of rating he's a fringe four star in, in I think my he's opinion a four star. i think he's a four star athlete and if if he was in florida playing it excuse me if he was in florida uh, florida playing at a bigger school um with more game film i think he's a four star mm-hmm. athlete i, I, I think I he's a total four star athlete who's very developed so you don't have to worry yep. about him putting on weight cuz he's already 200 pounds yep he's 6 foot so the, i mean he's at a great weight and he's strong He's strong. 21 he's reps in the uh, 225. That's yep. that's NFL draft level. Like the film backs numbers. it up. Like mm-hmm. the film just backs it up too. And here's the thing too. A guy like this, his floor is uh, assuming he stays healthy and he, he commits to the team. His floor is a special teams demon. Mm-hmm. Like at, at a minimum, like a guy like this is going to be great on coverage teams. And I think there's a lot more there, but he's not going to yeah. be a bust. Next up, we got JT Seagreaves, uh, 6'5", 220-pound tight end out of Monroe, Wisconsin. And we talked about uh, Seagreaves quite a bit on the last show as well. And um, not to rehash everything we said, but I love picking up a, a athletic tight end with ball skills. And the, the thing of it is, we've talked a ton about our tight end recruiting this class, and now we can kind of put a little bit of a bow on it because we have some resolution. And this is a guy who went to camp. I love camp offers. By the way, Cade Yakimeli, another camp offer. This is a guy who went to camp with other tight ends, with Keller, with other people. And the, the this is who the Badger staff wants. They... This I just guy is a preferred walk on yeah, in a normal year because it. of his film. Oh, I think he's better than that. Well, I'm saying because of his film, because of the fact that there's nothing out there on the kid. He would have probably been somebody who came to camp and just whatever. He he his athletic gifts. If he was playing at a major school, like if he's playing at Fond du Lac or at Kimberly in Wisconsin. This is a kid who would be a mid to upper three star with his level of a size and athleticism and the offenses that they run. Cause he would probably have ended the season with 25 catches, 500 yards, right. something like that. And like 10 touchdowns. So his high school uses a three tailback system and they threw him, I think six passes over the course of mm-hmm. the year. Uh, by the way, there's a great interview with Seagrass 20 plus well. yards of catch. Yeah. There's a great interview with his coach who speaks um, glowingly. Now a lot of coaches do. But specifically, the point that I wanted to pull up for, from Seagreaves' head coach is it's really hard to get a guy, a high school kid, to buy into that system as a, as a tight end. Oh, for sure. And he said all Seagreaves did was, was you know, control the line of scrimmage, block again and again, never complained. He was all about it, whatever it took to help the team, essentially. You, and that's, you can again, make the argument they underutilized him given his physical skills. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure they did. But, you know, the head coach said, you know, listen, we, we do the best we can. We're a small school, and it's hard for us to develop a running game and, and throw the ball. I get that. Um, at, at the end of the day, though, like that type of mentality fits fits right in with the blue collar kind of work ethic mentality that the Wisconsin football team is built on. And I love this dude's basketball film. We talked about it. To me, this guy is we have a lot of tight ends we brought in recently that are either more cute, more skewed to the blocking end or are really kind of 
not uh, a pass catcher, I should say. Like it's guys like Cundiff, guys like yeah, you. They're specialized like, for the most part. Yeah, this dude is a this dude's a pass catcher first and who's I think also going to be able to block a little bit. He's more in the Ferguson role, which um, I think is really important for this team to add to that stockpile. Do you think he can add the weight without losing speed or do you think he gets quicker? I th- I think he's pretty long, man. I think he can put on 20 pounds. Yeah. I, I think he can put the weight on him with it without losing it. I'm hopeful that he can he can cut a tick off, get down to that four six range consistently, yep. and become a real weapon. Well, here's the other thing: he's a three sport guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he's never specialized in football. That's the other reason I like multi sport mm-hmm. athletes. Um, you well, put he's very in explosive. A, yeah, like you put him in a program. Kid can really get up in basketball. He can really just focus on <clears> football now. He's got a great body. He's athletic, six five two twenty, and he catches the ball excellent. You know, so I, I love the Seagreaves commitment. Um, you can, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and push you here to, to segue on uh, Tommy McIntosh. Cause there's, there's some parallels here in terms of physical size and why I like him at wide receiver because similar height, but he's about 15 pounds lighter than Seagraves. And that's why I've always felt that he's a good candidate to stay a wide receiver. Yep. Let's just, I let's don't... just, let's introduce him quick though. Yeah, sure. Um, Tommy McIntosh was the last verbal that we got, um, of this recent stretch, six, five, 203 pounder uh from dewitt michigan and he's being brought in as a receiver sorry but and then i'll, I'll let you continue on oh not at all has great length he's a guy with good size he's a little he's a little thinner than what the what a guy like seagraves and i think he's a guy that legitimately if you if you really get him in the weight room and get him to develop he could probably carry 220 and be just a huge physical fast receiver i don't think you want him getting heavier than that but i think he can get to that size given that he's not a guy who's really bulked up, like if you look at his film, he's not skinny, but he's not super bulked up either. So I think you can add some muscle on him to get him so that legitimately, this is exactly what you and I have talked about before, what I bring up all the time. I want a guy who can kind of box out and catch. We haven't had those guys like Ohio state from time to time has had a few of those guys that you just can't cover because you put a five ten corner on them. They get a guy who's 6'4", who's 215 pounds, and is just like, I'm going to box you out, and I can catch with one hand, or I can extend, and then just bring that other up, up and grab it. This and Ohio you just State can't get back because really I'm fast. too big. Yeah. Like, I don't know if making Well, who was the like, guy that caught the touchdown pass in the championship game? Was it 17? The big dude. Ooh. I can't think of his name now. And we just couldn't cover him because he had so much size. I think he was the last touchdown in that game. And it was a, a big grab where we just couldn't get around him. Yeah, I'll bring that up. Was it Brown? Why is that name stuck in my head? Is it because it went to the Jets, maybe? Possibly. Um, look him up real quick. You know, with McIntosh, for me, you, you, you've talked a lot about wanting to get a big receiver. And then um, I started to, to really think about when was the last time Wisconsin had a 6'4", 6'5", receiver that, that panned out that was really good. Um it's hard Did to think of one. one? It's, well, that's what I'm saying. It, it's really hard to think of a Wisconsin receiver that fits that mold that's been successful. Like, we brought in guys that are that big. Like, uh, Chase Hammond was that big. Um, he had injury problems. Kyle Jefferson was like 6'4", but he he had injury problems as well. It's tough. It's tough to find those guys. I think McIntosh is kind of a – he's a bit of a project. I think he's never yeah, going to be Yeah, he's definitely got a few things that you need to see him – clean up or route running and stuff like that but he does he has the athleticism and i, I think, think he sticks the, at receiver like i don't yeah. think you bring him in thinking he's going to transition to tight end because in that case you would just go find a 6'5 230 pound tight end and recruit that guy oh definitely like clearly 
uh, to answer the question, Wisconsin is bringing uh, McIntosh in as a receiver. Otherwise, they wouldn't be bringing him in, quite frankly. So they believe that his upside is there, and that's where he stays. Um, do you remember? Like, here's one for you. You remember how exciting and how excited Wisconsin fans were to imagine Tanner McAvoy as, as that outside threat, that receiver, and how much we thought that would work? Yeah, there's a night and day difference. Like, McAvoy was a, was a athlete. And that that's that's what he was. Great like he was he was not an exceptionally skilled football player, but he was a very good athlete. And I think what your goal is here is if you can get if you can get this guy to be refined to the point of just being a solid skill guy, he has the physical tools to be a very good player. And if he has the ability to become a very skilled player, you're looking at an all conference kind of guy. Oh, absolutely. His size alone gives him upside that other other receivers don't have speed. Don't have, and he's fast enough. Yeah, like, he's not a burner, but he's fast enough. Like he's. I he's think his enough. long speed is there. I think that in tight spaces, I think yeah, you could say that he takes he takes a little getting up to speed. But that's most big guys though. Like yeah, that's for that's sure. not unique to him. Um, not at small, all. Smaller guys he's, are quicker in space because they're lower to the ground. They have a shorter sense of gravity. I mean, well, it's and it's shorter it strides. Yeah, absolutely. So just, um, all right, I got some questions for you. You ready? Sure, let's and do this. You have not been briefed on this. Okay. No, out I have the, not. Out of this group of kids we just landed, the five recruits, who is our most important commit that we got? I'm going to say Yacomelli because I like his versatility. I think that he helps at a few different spots, and I feel confident that he'd be at least productive at a lot of them. I think that he could be a, a productive safety. I think he'd be a productive wide receiver. And I think he'd be a productive running back to the point of being a guy who can spell whoever your workhorse is. Like he's a guy who's going to go out there that is not going to be a bad running back. He may not be a guy who shows out against like Ohio State, but against a lot of our schedule, he's he's athletic enough that he's he can burn a lot of the teams that we play. He's he may not be you know blow it up against the teams with the elite athletes on defense, but against most of the teams, he he could definitely have big plays. Okay, that's a good answer. Um... Biggest upside, most exciting. I'm assuming you're already going with Yakimeli on that. If if I take no. Yakimeli, oh no, go I, ahead. I don't actually. I think McIntosh has the most upside. Okay, his if he hits his ceiling, you're looking at a guy who has a six five frame who potentially runs in the four five range, and if he puts on the physical weight and, and is a physical receiver, he's a matchup nightmare. He's going to get deep on guys constantly just because if they try to get into him. He's going to shove them off. They're going to get off their path, and he's going to end up with a, a yard or two of separation just to run by guys. You know, and to your point there, he's he's also a guy who can dictate some matchups. Like, it's we haven't had a ton of receivers where the defense really has to adjust. Like, if um, McIntosh does hit that ceiling, then suddenly the defense has to bring either – probably move a bigger safety into the box to guard him. Or, oh, yeah, you definitely you know, have to roll a guy to him. And they're shifting Because you're not around. covering – if unless you have a 6-1, 6-2 corner – you're not shutting him down because he's going to be able to, he doesn't even have to jump. Like he's right. just going to be able to stretch and he's going to be taller than most of the guys. Gives you a red zone threat on the outside that we haven't had a ton mm-hmm. of either. Um, all right, you ready for the next one? Well, and you've played basketball. You know how it is when you get a guy who's six, five on you, that kind of boxes. You can't get like you just him. can't get into him. It's, it's no. so hard to like move past that unless you're physically stronger. You're not going to be able to get well, into his body to keep especially that. Especially the way they they um, have clamped down on any type of, of touching and clamping, holding, bumping on the outside. Having a physical receiver only makes that harder for the defensive backs at this point. But the with the way the game's officiated and played. Um, next question: Safest player. Which of these guys has the highest floor? 
Um, I'm going to probably say Nelson. I think that his floor is a rotational offensive lineman. Meaning I, and that is saying something at Wisconsin, because I, I think he's going to be a guy that probably he's, he's short enough. I think you can slide him in at guard. I mean, his brother's six, eight and he's playing guard this year, which is insane. Um, but I think that he's a guy that has positional versatility. He could be a swing lineman. I think he'll be athletic enough to play like right tackle, but I think he'll be able to play both guard positions. And I think he'll get on the field. And I, I, if he has the mean streak of his brother, he, he could end up being an all big 10 kind of guy. And I agree with you there. I think I, I agree. I think he has the the highest floor. I, it's just hard for me to see his film, how athletic he is in that frame and think he's not going to turn into now Wisconsin's offensive line is going to be loaded, but I think he's going to be a really good player. Like, and he's going to at least find rotational depth minutes. Let's 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 take a little bit of a break here. We'll we'll take a break and be right back. But we'll jump into the Wisconsin guys, the the in-state guys, and just kind of take a look at them and review, you know, some of the changes that have happened with them, what seems to be happening. It sounds like we're getting close to decisions with them. But all right. Thanks for listening to the Bucky Cast, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bucky Cast or email the show at thebuckycast at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. It's Justin here with Ryan. We're going to dive into the Wisconsin guys uh, or in-state guys who are uncommitted at this point. There's a couple of questions and things that I you know. Just diving into them a little bit more in depth about roles they play, and it sounds like these guys are going to be popping soon, uh, making their commitment choices. Um, first guy up. Big news coming out of this last week. It sounds like uh, Billy Shroud is maybe leaning back towards Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. which is big news because the guy has been a Notre Dame lean for forever. Mm-hmm. We're talking a solid six months, maybe longer than that. It's always been that, assumed. Like it's mm-hmm. always been assumed that he he's going to be a golden domer and how wonderful would it be to, uh, to, to pluck him back out of their, their dreams and out of their, uh, you know, their future rotations. Um, as, as somebody who follows recruiting very closely and Ryan is one of these guys too, Nothing frustrates me more than a school that disrespects Wisconsin at areas that they have no right to. Notre Dame had an arrogance about them, their fan base, not the school by any means. I I can't speak to what their their coach's view on this is, that they could walk into Wisconsin and just start grabbing at the one position that you don't walk into Wisconsin and just grab guys at. Um, Offensive line is typically the position we do not lose guys regardless of whether they're a four-star or not, or Ohio State offers or whatever, they do not normally go. The last guy that we remember that that we lost an offensive line recruit was Ben Brotherson, who, if his brother was not going to Michigan to play baseball, probably plays for Wisconsin. So, I mean, that's no slight to Michigan. You know, I'm sure he liked that school fine, but the reason why is he was very close to his brother, which was a big aspect. And he he decided to go there because he wanted to be close to his brother, which is understandable. Um, but it is incredibly difficult to dive into Wisconsin and take offensive linemen away. Because for one, you really can't offer anything more than Wisconsin can offer at that position. You know, they're going to put you in the NFL if you have talent. It just happens. Like we we get guys, worst case scenario, you're getting a free agent deal. And that's with low-rated guys. When we get studs that go in there, typically if you're if you're legitimately a stud, like you have the physical talent, you're probably going first three rounds and going to go to a pretty good team 
Well, let me jump in here though, because if there's one school that could that could really push Wisconsin for offensive line, offensive lineman in the NFL and draft pedigree, it's, it's Notre Dame. Like Notre, Notre Dame has had a string of first round picks recently, and the other thing with Notre Dame, like so, I agree, so I agree with your overall point. By the way, um, the Notre Dame fan base, which is true for for most quote unquote blue blood schools, is incredibly arrogant. Um, they're they're incredibly elitist, arrogant. It comes with having your own network for the last forty years, for Pete's sake, right? Like that's part of the territory. Um, their their thought, of course, was they could stroll in and, and pluck one or two of these offensive linemen, not not just Shrout. Like they could bring Hinsman or Bruner with them. Oh yeah. So well, the, not only that, the they're dismissive of, of what we've of done with the offensive were. line. Well, of course they're, which is silly. It's obviously silly, but I would say that I mean they're on par. We're on par with them. They're on par with us. Alabama's right there as well. It's yeah. Well, I was going to say the top three schools, <clears throat> and you can name any one of these O line. You is literally yeah. Wisconsin, Bama, and. No, they're and, uh, Notre Dame. They all do an exceptional job, right? And they're all really good programs year in and year out. Traditionally, they're they're consistent winners. Um, but the the biggest point of this to me is isn't even the Notre Dame aspect. It's it's the fact that we might actually keep the bulk of for a while. We weren't really sure, and we're still not sure. By the way, like Trout could either go could still go either way, but there's a chance that we really keep this entire core of in-state offensive linemen together, and then you pair them up with with Nelson, who we've already talked about in pretty glowing terms, and you have. Um, on the back of two other really good recruiting classes for offense linemen, when you look at last year's class and the year uh, before that, now you have another four guys coming in, three of which are four stars and the other one who really like. Like this pipeline, if you get these three kids, if you get Bruner, Hinsman, and Trout, who's now leaning back to us, suddenly that offensive line pipeline is looking as stacked as, as we've ever had it. And it's about to pop, right? Those guys we, are about to be on the field. We have not had this level of interior line recruit. I don't think even even in the time that we've been really great recruiting the offensive line, we have not had a bunch of interior guys. We've had tackle. We've, re- we've recruited the heck out of tackle. And we've slid some guys in. We have not had a bunch of four-star guys in the interior. Caden Lyles, I think, is the last four-star we've had that was interior. Right. Uh, other than him, it's been mostly mid-three-stars. Some we've of had, which we've had a lot of like- developmental guys. Oh, well, yeah. And some guys that like Peter Kahn's and Travis Frederick and those dudes. Yeah, um, but that's I mean, we're going back a decade then at that but, point. And those weren't four star kids, though. Right. Peter no. Kahn's wasn't. Oh, no. Peter Kahn's was, I think, actually, now that I think about it. Um, Kahn's might have been close. But Frederick was a guy who was probably what, mid mid I think he's mid three. He was a camp offer, actually. Yeah. Um, so no, to your point, like adding adding a couple four star and tier offensive linemen and then adding um, Nelson on, on the edge again, like this is shaping up to be one of the best offensive. I mean, this would be one of the best offensive line classes in the country if we landed those three. And that's not arguable. Um, yeah, and then the cherry Hinsman on top. like the top guard or something like that or top center recruit? I mean, he's up there, you know, and, and Bruner is in, he really, was at really one highly point, rated. Um, and Shroud could still go either way. He could still be a defensive lineman. But, I, I mean, I think the intention is to bring him in on the offensive line. So, yeah, I think they're That'll be interesting top. because I, I'm, I think Shroud will be very dependent upon, number one, what he wants to do. Because he's a guy who legitimately, he's talented enough that as the coaching staff, you can go to a kid. We're not gonna, we're not gonna irritate you. Where do you want to play? Because we think you can start it either. And I, I think that that's the approach. Like I get it when you go to guys and you say, "Hey, you're you're blocked here. You got a chance if you want to go play defense or whatever." And here's an opportunity for you. Shroth isn't that guy. Shroth is a guy who you look at and you're like. You know, you could redshirt a year and probably be starting at guard. Like, he's got that type of talent level. Or defensive and, end. And the same thing for defensive line. 
But I, th- I think at that point, to your to your um, to your point, you just use it as a recruiting tool. I mean, exactly. I, and I'm sure that's where, what where do doing. you want to play? We'll where, let you play either. What works best for you? And either way, this is adding a four. I mean, no matter what, you're adding a four star kid on one of the lines, and mm-hmm. and you never turn that down. Yeah, and he's a four star either for sure. Exactly. You never turn that down. And actually, when we talked about it, I actually liked his defensive line film a little more than his offensive line film. I think he could be a monster there. So. Mm-hmm. You can never have too many good defensive linemen, even with the way we were potentially recruiting this year's class. Um, and, and looking at these group of guys, I will say this. They they are different than what we traditionally get an offensive lineman from a body composition, too. Like, I look at them, and these guys are more built. They're just they're leaner, and they're very close to being already at the weight that we want to see these guys at. So it's telling to me, we're not used to getting these guys that have good bodies right. on the offensive line. Well, and that's important and that's, from like, an athleticism that's, standpoint. From a recruiting standpoint, though, that's, that's why – we talked a lot about, again, not to bring him up again, Nelson and why he doesn't have a ton of offers. It's because he needs to develop more. He needs to put mm-hmm. on weight. He's not quite there. He's Wisconsin he, does he needs that, another 20 pounds easy. But there's a reason why dudes like Bruner and Hinsman and Shrout have offers from Ohio yeah, State, Notre Dame, Alabama. They can go anywhere because you don't have to project them. Like you mm-hmm. already see the weight on that frame. These are elite yeah, it's, prospects. It's technique. Why every, we need a every year to get you in locked in so that you're handling yourself. them on the, the board. Every program in the country wants them. You know, and they're just the type of recruits that Wisconsin doesn't usually produce in state. And to be able to mm-hmm. potentially in three of them, bruh, that's that's a home run class, man. At, especially at the offensive line position, if you can do it. I agree. And then moving on to to Isaac Ham, and the the question here I want to pose to you is this: uh, we we've had we discussed in one of the previous episodes how he is switching to outside linebacker or more of an edge guy. And I just want to get your thoughts on this. What do you th- how, do you think that's where his value is best? Like, do are we devaluing him slightly by sliding him out to outside linebacker given his skill set? Would he be best at defensive end given his his frame, size, and quickness? Or do you think that he potentially is the best fit at being? I think he's going to be a hybrid guy. I'll be honest. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's straight up. You know, we're going to be dropping you and stuff like that. I think he's going to be a guy who's effectively going to be a pass rusher at that position. I, so I, I think this is almost something and I'm, I'm taking a swing here and I could be completely off. Uh, and I'm not saying any part of the Badgers um, coaching staff is being disingenuous here. I think them telling you him, we're going to put you in a little more of an attacking position. We're going to put you on the edge more. We're going to use you at outside linebackers, a way to sweeten the pot. I just think, I'm not saying they won't get ham if they say, hey, you're going to be a straight-up 3-4 defensive end, but I, it's not the most glamorous position on defense to play, to play defensive line anywhere in a 3-4. And I think with ham, uh, ultimately, I think that's probably his best spot, and I think he could be a, the type of disruptive 3-4 defensive end that we just don't get a ton of. But I think they're selling them, to your point, on a little bit of we're going to make you a little bit of an attacker, a little bit of a hybrid player. You're going to do all sorts of stuff because I just think it's a sexier sales pitch than saying we're going to stick you at the 3-4 defensive end and on first and second down, you're probably just going to eat blockers, right? By by telling them that there's going to be some versatility in his role, by telling them there's going to be some versatility in his role, I think it's a way of sweetening the pot. And uh, I think he can do some of it, but I think he's a defensive end. I think he's primarily a defensive end and a, a potentially, you know, the type of a guy who is a game changer at that position, like uh, Alec James, you know, that type of player. I, I was going to say, I look at him like this, and I think what I think in their eyes, what they're kind of viewing him as is similar to what they're planning on doing with bowlers. And I think is you're t- effectively going to be an attack end in a three, four. 
Like we're going to have situations where we expect that that outside backer on the opposite side to come up and just stay stout and kind of effectively play like a lineman. Why? Because we can do that now. We're going to have guys that are probably pushing 255, 260, potentially if they can hold their speed, which gives you some flexibility to be able to rush that other end. And you can effectively act more like a 4-3 defensive end, which I think is, is really what he wants to be able to do is that make it really difficult to tell what we're doing because our, our players are so versatile that you can use them in ways that the offensive line is not comfortable with trying to get a grasp of what they're going to do. I think it's going to be fascinating really to track our, our front seven and how this, this evolves. Cause it's, it's guys like bowlers. It's guys like IO it's guys like Peterson, but Peterson. it's also Townsend, the, the Oregon transfer mm-hmm. is six, five. It's, it's a defense. That, we've really project. filled out that attacking yeah, type of like player. It's going to be quickly. super interesting to see how this plays out. Um, not just this year, but in the years coming forward, because I, there's a lot of guys, Caden Johnson again, Herbig, Lytle. Like, there's a lot of guys out there, and to fit them on, not to turn this into, um, you know, looking two or threes down the road, but where Ham is going to fit into that, he's going to fit into a mix of players who are all kind of hybrid. I guess is my point, and you know where those guys go and how they divvy up reps is going to be a big deal. But it's also like that's that's sorry not to cut you off, but like that's also what has separated some of the, some of the really good schools is that depth on the front seven. And for us to be able to send another wave of pass rushers in there, it's, it's going to be a huge deal. Like we all remember what happened against Penn state when we lost, you know, two or oh, three yeah. defense alignment. We, we ran, they got tired. That was it. That was the game. Like we Watt, couldn't get Watt, after the quarterback. TJ Watt got, was just gassed by the end of the second half and he couldn't get home. We had no depth. Like we couldn't survive mm-hmm. that game because of that. And I'm, I'm convinced to this day, if we had two more pass rushers, just decent ones that could have gone in as fresh bodies, we win that game. And we win the big 10 championship that year. And I can't say it. It's really hard to look forward, but if, if God willing, Benton came back next year, which I don't think he does. Um, but the level of attacking that you'd be capable of potentially with guys who have legitimate pass rush skill Mm -hmm. that they've recruited, you could have all five guys legitimately up front able to attack. And that's not even including middle linebackers. I'm talking about the two outside guys and all three down Yep, potentially could be guys who are athletic enough to cause problems for the linemen in front of them. And you telling me Jim Leonard, isn't the guy to exploit that. Oh, like this, sure. this was my, my only concern has always year. been the run. Like if we're going to transition to this, I'm my only fear is, is like, I want to make sure that we don't give up how good we are against the run because we have become legitimately one of the best defensive teams against the run in college football. I don't think that's going to change with, with the guys they brought in though, with the way we we're looking at the defense line commits this year with, as long as we don't get here. undersized, I think we're okay. Right. That's what I'm saying. You always, and this is what I've always said. Like, um, you know, you don't need a bunch of 325 pound pluggers, but when you need them, you need them. Like I've always said this, when you play Iowa, you need a guy like that. You know, like it doesn't matter if in a lot of games, they only play first down, like, cause you're still going to have to play Iowa and that dude's going to have to play 40 snaps, you know, like, so I don't think we're going to go away. <laughs> Curtis Neal. Curtis Neal. <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent on that. Um, I, th- I think we probably can wrap up on recruiting, but there was a few really quick points. Um, I wanted to, to jump out there. First of all, yeah, we have sure, another official it. visit this weekend, our two official visits this weekend. Yep. Uh, we have Vinny Anthony, who is a six foot one, 170 pound receiver out of Louisville, Kentucky. Mid three star guy, best other offer is Duke. This sounds like a Wisconsin Duke battle. Mm-hmm. And then we have James Mons third, a six foot, 180 pound cornerback out of Fort Pierce, Florida, who has a little bit better offer list uh, Miami, Florida, Nebraska, Mississippi State, 
He's taken a couple official visits. We're his last official visit, and he plans to make a decision this summer. I would guess it's probably between us and Nebraska. I think Indiana is in on him too, if I'm not mistaken. Indiana had an official visit as yeah. well. Who he, he he actually raved about Indiana. He, well, so Mons is kind of like um, I'm trying to think of the guy we talked about earlier, Dak, and Tack Tack Curtis, who basically raves about every visit. He loved mm-hmm. Indiana. He loved Nebraska. He's probably gonna love Wisconsin. But he's got is he a legacy to Nebraska he or is, is he just yep. have somebody? He is. He isn't. Uh, James Mon the third is a Nebraska legacy. Okay. One of the things, and this is was interesting, where I kind of wanted to dive into you. Kind of, you and I kind of had the conversation earlier with their cornerback board. Is where does this go if 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 he has a great visit here and legitimately wants to come to Wisconsin? I think most of us have kind of viewed him as a guy who we're unlikely to get. Like we kind of hung around on him, but he's not a guy that we've heard a lot about tied to Wisconsin. Um, and he could really shake up our cornerback recruiting. Like if we blow this visit out of the water, you have Jones, who is just Avion Jones, who was just here this last week, who is being projected potentially towards us. You have Lyde, who we just got. Who, by the and way, Cooley, Lyde, who, Lyde, by they, the way, jumped to secure just uh, yeah. to secure a spot. Like he, oh, he made I have no doubt about decision. that. And that's that's and that's because I think we're we're looking legitimately. The staff probably only wants two corners, but they're they will make room for Cooley. Oh, yeah. Which makes it very interesting already for Jones because if you hold off and Cooley decides to commit, you potentially could lose your spot. Which I'm curious if he'll if he'll do this. But if Mons gets involved in this, what happens with Cooley if say Jones jumps in and Mons tries to commit? I think it's a good problem. I mean I, it is. And and I, I tend to think we're 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 probably a little bit on the outside looking in with Mons. Um, I think he's had so a lot too. of really good visits. He's not from the area. He's a Florida kid and he's a legacy to Nebraska. I tend to think if he's coming to the Midwest, he's probably going to Nebraska. Um, I could definitely see a cornerback class of Lyde, which we just got Jones, the Oklahoma state decommit that visited last week. And then they hold a spot for Coley and just see if he commits. Yeah. I think, and I, I think, think that's with how his this plays frame, out. You have to take him. Oh, you got to take him. Um, you, you got, you got to take a six foot one dude who hits like that and can run because mm-hmm. that dude could be a safety. I mean, that dude could mm-hmm. transition and yeah, he has first and maybe perhaps that's what they do. And then that's say, we'll, Jamerson we'll figure out numbers later. Yep. I mean, that's, he's basically the same type of size athlete as natural Jamerson who mm-hmm. transitioned from receiver to safety was really good for us for two years and was a fifth round pick for the saints. Like that's the type of guy Coley is. So I don't think they would turn him away. I do think um, Mons or Jones could commit, and then they'll just hold that spot, like you said, for Coley as an athlete. And I, th- I think that's what it'll come down to is as likely it's going to either be Mons or or Jones. And I, I think, think so right now, I think this is one of those things where Jones is probably sitting there updating Twitter, like trying to hear what refresh. the <laughs> refresh, refresh, what refresh, type refresh. of news is coming out from this weekend. That's a good spot, though. Like I like I like Mons and and Jones quite a bit, so. If we get one of those two and pair them with Lyde, I think that's a pretty solid Wisconsin quarterback class, and then you just hope for Coley. All right, guys. I think that is going to wrap up the first part of the show. Um, we're going to actually record a second show really devoted just to the great guard situation. We did, We felt like there's enough there to discuss where we didn't want these two shows to interact. Uh, we, it would just get too long. So we want to do just one for all the recruiting news, and then – if you want to tune into the next show, which will be released separately, it's it's going to be all about Greg Gard, our feelings on it, what happened, and where we think we're going from here. So we appreciate you guys listening. We always do. This is the recruiting episode, and then tune into the next one where we really get into the Greg Gard situation. And as always, on Wisconsin.
so much for listening to the Bucky Cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.